Good morning, everybody, and welcome to PI Answers on Hear Women Talk. I'm Vicki Childs, your host, and with me today are our very special guest, Maury Frank, who's an attorney in California, and Prosecutor Conrad Del Rosario, who is a prosecutor in San Francisco, California. Today, our topic is identity theft. Identity theft is rapidly growing, and your chance of being affected by it greatly increases. Anytime you use a credit card or buy something on the Internet or uh, or communicate your banking information in any kind of way, your chance of becoming a victim increases. So we're going to talk about how to protect yourself against identity theft today, what it is, how people get your information, how they use your information, and what it can do to your credit. Uh, so I want to welcome Mari Frank. Mari, if you would, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I know you've written many books on the subject, and I, I want our guests to know, t- too, that they are our listeners to know that they can purchase those at, at retailers and online as well. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background and why you got interested in a, identity theft. Okay, I've been an attorney for 26 years, and in 1996 I got a phone call from a bank I never heard of asking me why I hadn't paid my $10,000 bill, $11,000 bill to this bank that I didn't know. And from there, I found out that I was a victim of identity theft, and the person who was impersonating me was not only taking money to the tune of over $50,000, she got a brand new car. She was parading as an attorney, uh, stolen, she had stolen business cards from my office, and uh, she was really living four hours north of my home. And most people don't even find out who it is, but I ended up being my own private investigator. And at that time, there were no laws in any state making identity theft a crime against the victim, believe it or not. There were no federal laws either, so I ended up just kind of, you know, I said to myself, well, why why did this happen to me? Not like, oh, poor me, but why did this happen to me? And as you can hear, I'm not very shy. Um, and I immediately went to the California legislature and got laws passed. I ended up testifying in Congress. I ended up speaking at the White House. And then victims all over the place were calling me. I was on 48 Hours, Dateline, NBC Nightly News, Geraldo, everything you could think of talking about what needed to be done and we ended up doing some very important things as a team with law enforcement with great people like like my uh my co-invitee on this on this show trying to help victims and from there i ended up uh people were calling me from all over the place all over this country and so i put together my first identity theft survival kit that had the book with the step-by-steps and the legal letters and I've had four books, a book called Safeguard Your Identity on how to protect yourself and what to do to put up barriers, whether you're at home or traveling or at work or, you know, wherever you are. And then my brand new book is The Complete Idiot Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. And we have step-by-step instructions. And then you can get that at any bookstore or at my website at identitytheft.org. But I've... Um, I think the universe kind of put me in a place that I, I had to take some action, and I've been very fortunate to work with wonderful, wonderful people, um, just like Conrad, to to help people who are listening right now. Well, I think that's terrific, and, and I'm sure that that our listeners can gain great knowledge from your books, and and, and determine how to protect themselves, and all. And if they do find themselves a victim, how to recover from it. Conrad, tell us a little bit about your background, and you are a prosecutor in San Francisco, dealing primarily with 
fraud, identity fraud, right? That's correct. Um, I've been a prosecutor for about 17 years. Um, the last five years has been exclusively in the area of high-technology crimes. And where identity theft and high technology, I mean, they're, they're a marriage that uh, goes hand-in-hand whenever you do high-technology crimes. Um, under, the, um, under the code section, there was actual um, task force set up in California. Um, there's five task force in California that were designated to deal with high-technology crimes. And just by definition, high-technology is anything where a crime is either where computers or high technology is either the target of the crime or it's the means of committing the crime. And um, I learned just in the last, you know, five years, and I actually was somewhat fortunate to be in the high-tech um, arena during these five years because identity theft has really taken off. It's really taken off in the last five or ten years. It's always been around identity theft in one form or another, but with the advent of the Internet, with the advent of, of um, online banking and online um, financial activity, identity theft has really taken a foothold in our, uh, as, as a normal way of life, of what we have to be aware of. So what, what's the interesting thing in the last five years is we've seen um, significant changes in the way how um, suspects commit their crimes, and I've actually been able and fortunate to see and um, observe how these techniques have changed um, in our prosecutions and the way that we investigate these cases. So um, part, of, part of my experience here in the DA's office for the last five years has been focused exclusively on high technology and how it impacts or, or how um, crimes are committed using high technology. And, and you have to really dwell into um, not just the crimes and the legal analysis of what goes on, but you also have to understand the um, social patterns of people um, because a lot of these crimes are committed through social engineering. You have mm -hmm. to understand you have to understand what technology that they have available and what they use and how it's disseminated and how the community of knowledge of these you know thieves are are how how they're able to learn. Um, over the internet, over um, over what works and what doesn't work, what may seem like a very simple vulnerability out in the financial community would be an easy exploit that they can take advantage of, and that knowledge gets disseminated um, over the internet within you know within hours. So it's, it's many been of a these very people. Sorry, I was just going to say many many of these people that that steal the the identity might use it they pass it on to what is a larger crime ring and I want to talk about that in a minute but Maury if you would give us a, a basic definition of identity theft and and what it is exactly okay great great question alright identity theft really is the unauthorized use of some personal identifiers of yours whether it's your social security number or your name in your social security number or your account number Something that identifies you that that a, um, a a bank or some other institution, even like medical care, like your health insurance card, if someone uses that uh, to get some service. So identity theft is the unauthorized use of your personal identifiers for some fraud. Okay, that's basically the easiest way. And people think about it as, you know, you when you introduced the program, you were talking about credit card fraud. But let me just clarify something that, that I think everybody should know. If you have any fraud on any of your credit cards, uh, all you have to do 
All right, if it's your own credit cards I'm talking about, all you have to do is call up the company within 60 days, tell them, and you won't be, you will not be responsible for one penny as long as you tell them within 60 days and you may have to fill out an affidavit. That's the good news. Now, the type of identity theft that Conrad and I are really going to be talking about is much scarier. It's where someone uses your social security number to create new accounts, loans, mortgages, or they get some governmental benefit, like they get your tax return money, you know, they get your refund, or they get workers' compensation, or they get medical care in your name. All right, so that's some any kind of financial gain. They go and they open up an account in your name, and then oh, they take the money out, and then, of course, eventually that uh, bank will find you. Um, so they can get a job in your name, and then the IRS comes back after you 15 years from now. Uh, they can do things that are insidious that are not so much financial, but might even be revenge, like cyber identity theft. I've had clients who called me, uh, a CEO who called me, that someone put up a, a, a um, website to try and discredit him. Or I've had people who told me that their ex-spouses during a divorce will make up an email with the wife's name or the husband's name and then say, I'm going to kill the kids and make it look like they should lose custody and lock them up. So that's for revenge. We see a lot of cyber identity theft. And then, of course, the worst kind that I'm handling right now with, with a client is where someone is, um, their identity is used to commit crimes. And then they end up get, you know, getting stopped for speeding and they're thrown in jail because they've, they, they think that they've committed a robbery. So mm -hmm. you have to understand there's a huge spectrum. In, in my new book, The Re Recovering from Identity Theft, I was asked to write this by Penguin Books because it has this, this has evolved. And right now, because credit is much more you know, challenging to get, it's tighter credit, people are turning to banks and t stealing the money out of your bank and debit cards, and I know Conrad can really talk about some very big trends that are coming that he and I were talking about, where basically debit cards, if you have a debit card, you better listen carefully because you do not want to ever have a debit card to use anywhere. You want to cancel it and only use a credit card because that's safer. But um, now it's much more bank fraud and check fraud where people are stealing money right out of your own account because it's easier, and easy is what we're talking about. The other, and the one other thing I wanted to say when you introduced the program is that there are certain things that you can do to protect yourself and put up barriers, okay? There are, and I have a book called Safeguard Your Identity, and it tells you, like, never to use a debit card and why and how to, what, not to use checks and why, and all these things, we, we actually go into everything. We lost However, you there for a minute, Mari. Are you back? Oh, you did? Okay, I don't know when you lost me, but anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know when, if I was talking away, but I didn't I've been listening. Well, that's okay. You, that's, that's I didn't listen to that. Okay, I'm sorry. so anyway, the, the, the bottom line is this, is that no matter what you do to protect yourself, I cannot, and neither can Conrad, tell you that you won't become a victim. So mm -hmm. not only do you need to know what to do to protect yourself, which you can do, I would say, it can maybe minimize your risk. But when Conrad and I tell you about the things that can happen, like a dirty employee in a bank or in an institution or hackers that come in, 
that's beyond your control. So that's why you have to know what to do when it happens. And that's why I have my new book, The Recovering from Identity Theft. And I think that's one of the, adding on with Maury, you know, that's one of the good things about being in the um, law enforcement sector of it is you can actually see or you can try to assess where these exploits and these vulnerabilities in life occur. When these suspects are getting this information, where they're getting this information, we can relay that back to people and victims and say, okay, this is what you need to avoid. And it's only by understanding how these crooks work do we actually are able to tell people and advise people this is what you have to do to avoid these crooks from being able to take advantage. Because we may be able to stop one or two crooks, but the reality is that you're going to have a lot of people doing the same thing. Once they know it is something that is easily accessible, easy to do, and easy to get away with. So it's really important to understand that um, what we learn out in the law enforcement community has to translate back to helping victims understand this is what you need to do to protect yourself to avoid these people from doing it again. Well, and I think that's a great point. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to take a quick break. When we come back from the break, though, I wanna I wanna continue this this good conversation not only in in how these things happen and for me and I and I know both both of you have told me and you've told our listeners today, Mari, that you've been a victim of identity theft. I've been a victim of identity theft from from a hospital stay, and and it's. It's it's everywhere. But typically, people think of identity theft as a simple taking of your credit card number and using it some other way or taking of your social and using it in an unauthorized way, when actually the, the integrals are much wider and much deeper than most of us can imagine. So well, I want to go into that a little bit more. And when we come back from the break, stay with us because Mari and Conrad will talk about particular cases and how deep and wide this really is and give you some pointers on how to protect yourself. So we will be right back. Stay with us. Hi, this is Jessica Dorvaj, host of the Where Is My Guru show, and you are listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. In the blockbuster Millennium Series books and movies by Stig Larsson, the main character, Lizbeth Salinger, is both victim and deliverer of justice to a human trafficker. Tune in with Dottie every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern and play with fire, kick the hornet's nest, and maybe even get a tattoo of a dragon on traffic. Safe for victims, hostile to traffickers. Listen, chat, call, save lives. That's traffic every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Hear Woman Talk Radio. Hi folks, this is private investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all of your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone. If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at abramsforensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at abramsforensics.com. That's abramsforensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code Hello race fans, this is Jeff Gilder, creator of RacersReunion.com. When you're in Myrtle Beach, check out my favorite, the Caravelle Resort. The Caravelle Resort has a golf department and concierge with golf privileges at virtually every course on the Grand Strand, including the coveted Dunes Club. And ladies, 
Pamper yourself with Caravelle's Studio Spa, featuring services such as Swedish massage, heated stone therapy, reflexology, manicures, pedicures, facials, and more. Awaken your senses with the most requested massage and spa therapies. The Caravelle Resort, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 800-507-9145. Get the best rate on the Grand Strand when you use promo code RACERS at thecaravelle.com. 800-507-9145. Hi, my name is Jesse Jordan with Further Faster Initiatives, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. Welcome back to P.I. Answers on Hear Women Talk, produced and broadcast by the Zeus Radio Network. Our special guests today are Mari Frank, an attorney in, in uh, California, and Conrad Del Rosario, who is a prosecutor of high-technology crimes in, in California. And we were before the break, we were talking about the ways that people's identity gets taken and, and the ways that it's used. I, I had a, a hospital stay years ago, and somebody there later was caught for stealing patients information and then opening credit cards I actually got contacted by a computer company she, this person had tried to buy a computer and have it sent to an address that did not match up with my social and birth date and credit uh, history so the, the computer company called me and said hey did you buy this computer because it's not in your name and it's not in your, at your address and I said no I did not this woman was eventually arrested and had stolen uh, hundreds of identities and, and either sold them or, or gave them away to people that were eventually using them. So it was at, at no expense to me and it got stopped pretty quickly, but nobody, there's nobody out there who's protected completely from being a victim. So, Mari, you, uh, you were talking about And that's such a great uh, using example of the Vicky. That's a great example that that's the company that's responsible. I can tell you that's maybe one one to ten percent of the companies are responsible like that. I'm hoping it'll change because we have certain laws that become uh, effective December 2010 that make companies compliant with what we call the red flag rules. And those red flag rules have really been around for a long time, but there's been no um, enforcement of them. So I'm hoping that mm-hmm. there'll be more companies that will do that. But you're lucky because I can tell you of all the victims that call me, they're not that lucky at all. You know, right, and, and I went right away. I went to the three credit bureaus and also put fraud alerts on. But go ahead, Conrad. Yeah, because we've actually, you know, it's very common in cases, and, and this is how we actually start um, picking up an investigation, is where a company gets an online order, and the online order is for a lot of money or for a lot of product with someone else's credit card. Obviously, the people who are who are receiving those orders don't know who they're speaking to. They're not looking at a driver's license. They have no way of verifying identification. So the only information they're getting is that credit card number. What usually happens, if something doesn't seem right, um, for one reason or another, it could be a phone number, it could be the billing address doesn't match up. Um, what I've seen responsible companies do is they will find another way to phone or contact that cardholder. For example, um, I had one company 
that was receiving orders for computer um, computer products. A lot of these ID fees are very good in the high technology, so they like to purchase computer products to update their equipment. And this one company received the order, and they got the order from um, um, the credit card holder, but instead of calling the number that was provided on the online order, they actually looked at this um, cardholder's work address and then used the yellow pages or the white pages to contact the cardholder and that was the way they contacted the cardholder to verify that he never made that order. But if you called the phone number that was on the application, of course, that's going to be the number that the thief puts in for you to contact them. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you have to remember, yeah, and I think that's a really important point. That That's another really responsible company. But I have to tell you that a lot of the companies hire people at a little bit above minimum wage, and especially if they're issuing credit. You know, if they're issuing credit, then they're they're in a hurry to, you know, to to get the product out, and often they just consider that the price of you know the cost of doing business is the fraud, and then they write it off, not as fraud, mm -hmm. but they write it off as is bad debt, and and that's been a real problem why they haven't really stepped up to the plate. Well, Maury, do they really write it off, or do they just do they just tack on more fees for the for the customers to end up paying a little bit more off the pocket? Well, they actually do both, Conrad. That's what's so upsetting is they they actually do both. What what has happened lately, though, is the Federal Trade Commission has has gotten into it and said, you know, we're not going to we we don't think you should be writing this off as bad debt. We think you should call it fraud, and then you're responsible because you haven't taken appropriate measures like what you've talked about. What I see is what blows my mind is that companies will, when they want to issue credit or they want to issue something, you know, instant credit, even at a doctor's office with this thing called care credit, um, they'll just immediately issue the credit and, and then, you know, they look at, at the credit report and the credit report has a different address and they just say, oh, it's a different address this person must have moved instead of verifying that the person really did move. So the two companies you've both been talking about have been really responsible. The victims that contact me have company have had to deal with companies that were not responsible, that were more worried about getting the products out, doing their their um, you know doing their business, and not really caring about the consumer. And I, I agree with you, you know, Mari. It's actually it's actually more the exception to the rule that you have a responsible company because what you're going to end up having is when the cardholder looks at their charges, and if you were actually to call those companies like the investigators will do, they'll call up the company and say, we've got a transaction that occurred on this date with this cardholder, and this cardholder obviously did not make that purchase. What information do you have of this purchase? Uh nothing. The person just came in and they either bought it and that's it. We don't. We, we never took an ID. We never checked the ID. Um, we never did anything um, to verify who that person was. And they, do, they go forward with that transaction. That's the vast majority of the transaction that we see. That's why following up and investigating in a lot of these cases, you know, you're really, you're really lucky when you can get good surveillance footage, when you get a clerk who's diligent and mindful of who the person is to take identification or even copying the person's identification. Things like that's more the exception to the rule. Right. And, and I think that's really a, an important point for people to understand that, some, you know, someone like Conrad who wants to get the bad guy, if he doesn't have enough good information from anyone, he, he can't take that case. Right, Conrad? That's correct. We look at it from what we can prove in front of a jury, and obviously, if you've got transactions that's occurring at a, at a particular business, but you don't have any way of linking the, if you have no way of proving that the person sitting in that courtroom that I've charged with a crime is the same person that walked in and used that information, the jury's not going to convict. We're not going to file yeah. on a charge like that. 
And people need to understand that when uh, they have to make a police report. And I guess this kind of gets into knowing your rights. And and uh, a few minutes ago, Vicki, you and I were talking about this, that, that victims really need to know their rights because if they don't know their rights, the companies are just going to try and brush them off and not let them know, especially the people that you call when you have a problem. They're not going to know the law. So you, as the consumer, have to be pretty savvy and know your rights. Anyway, that's what I have. All these rights are, are, you know, what you have a right to do. But let me tell you a couple of those rights. Number one is if you find out that there's any fraud either with your bank or if you have any problem with credit, that someone's gotten a loan, like a student loan or a home loan or anything like that, then you have a right to immediately put what we call a fraud alert on your credit reports, which says don't issue credit without calling me first at this number, and you give your cell phone number. If you really want to lock up your credit, if you're a victim, you can get a free security freeze that actually puts a lock on your credit report so any company that wants to issue credit to a fraudster will want to get your credit report and they can't get it without your PIN or your password. So that's another right that you have and you can do that for free if you're a victim. Um, if, if you're I, not a victim, it costs $10. If I, and if I can add on exactly what Maury is saying is, is if, you, if you're going to employ these, if you've been compromised, if you've been a victim, the reality is once your information has been compromised, you will have no information as to where your personal information went. And if it went on the Internet, which chances are a lot of these do, your information can be recycled forever. And yeah. we, actually, we actually had a case a few years ago where, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, peer-to-peer software, but that's like programs that permits you to download music from other people's computers. Mm-hmm. Well, we had, a, we had a suspect who was able to do that, but instead of downloading music, what he was doing is he was looking for people's documents that contained personal information. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, for example, you know how you may, you, may, you may put in a search term for, you know, I want to hear a particular artist. He would put in a search term like Visa or MasterCard or IRS and he would get documents and this is all over the world of any computer that happened to have these documents in a folder that was open to the internet he would be able to he would be able to see um, personal information tax returns well, right I'm sorry tax returns absolutely you could even Absol- get tax returns that people yeah because anything you anything you have on your computer any kind of information you have on your computer if they can get in right. And the way that he did the tax returns was he would do a search term of .tax, which is the file extension or the file identifier for TurboTax documents. <laughs> so once he would see, once he would punch that in, any TurboTax document that would have that extension would automatically pop up on his search on his search return. But what was interesting about when he and he did a demonstration for law enforcement of how he was doing it as part of the plea in this case. What was fascinating was he did this live demonstration and he put in some search terms and there were words that were there were documents that were hitting his search terms like and, and you know interestingly enough he actually would punch in the word uh, keyword password and you don't know how many how many people out there have documents called passwords that has all their passwords logged on it but anyways he 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 had other documents that were hitting these search terms and these documents were titled things like um, 100 visa card numbers mm-hmm. and as he was going through this, he was saying to us, I've gone through that. That's been recycled over the Internet for, for months now. 
So he was actually telling us which ones have have been there, um, have already been have already been used on the internet using the same technique by other fraudsters. So if your information, so the, so the reality was, if your information was on any one of these documents over the internet, it was being recycled, and any one of these fraudster, fraudsters at any one point was using that same technique was would be able to recycle your information. And I've had victims who said, I've been victimized. Uh, several years ago, and now I'm getting victimized again. Exactly. So, so the point is, you want these measures, you want these things that Mari's talking about, these fraud, uh, fraud alerts, these freezes. And by the way, I have a freeze on my account because I know a lot of these guys may be vindictive that I prosecute, and so I don't want them opening up credit in my name. But you want to put <laughs> these things in place because if you've been victimized, you can be victimized again. That's the point because the internet permits that. Yeah. And that's um, why you have to know your rights and you have to know what to do. That's why I was asked to write this book because there's a million books that people can say, you know, they recycle how to protect yourself, which is baloney because most people just recycle from somebody else or the Federal Trade Commission. But to really know exactly what to do, that's why I was asked to write the Recovering from Identity Theft because I give you step-by-step -step instructions. And then on my website at identitytheft.org, I have all the legal letters that go with it, so you fill in the blank. You don't have to hire me. And then I just want to say one other really important right, because um, Conrad, it would help Conrad and it helps law enforcement to take the case. You have a right that the, that the companies will never tell you. You have a right federally to, if you get a police report, all right, you must get a police report. You must have... Uh, an, an affidavit that you can just download from the Federal Trade Commission. It's an ID theft affidavit. You fill that out with your police report and you send that to any company that has uh, some fraud that is associated with your name or your social security number or your medical account. And you have a right to demand that they provide to you all of the documents of the fraud. Everything that they have. Their investigations, their the account uh, application, anything that they have, and you have a right to that within 30 days without any cost, not even cost for copies. And you also have a right to ask those documents be sent to the investigator. So that would be the investigator either in, in your local jurisdiction, your, your law enforcement agency, and then they can bring it to the DA. And that's very important because if you bring a case with everything on it, on a silver platter, to Conrad, then he can take the case. He can take it and he can prosecute it and he can get the bad guys. My understanding is only 10% of all cases that are reported to law enforcement are even investigated. And of those 10%, only 10% go to the DA. Mari, I want to I, I want to talk about that some more too because I and I have some some further questions for you on that and we're getting some information on our chat line too that I want to bring up. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to talk more about how to protect yourself and more about these crime rings that that we mentioned earlier um, and go into some more detailed information with Mari and with Conrad and we'll be right back.
Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. When I take an adventure on the Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk, explore the haunted swamps where alligators and the ghosts from long ago still reside. Stroll across floating walkways beneath the Spanish moss as your pirate guide leads you by lantern and shares 13 spooky tales along the way. The Ghost Walk departs nightly at dusk, only at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Call 843-361-2700 or visit MyrtleBeachGhostWalk.com for advanced tickets. The Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Hi folks, this is Private Investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all of your keystrokes or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone. If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at AbramsForensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at AbramsForensics.com. That's AbramsForensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code That's galore. Visit our store at 4822 Highway 17 at Barefoot Landing. We have the largest source of hats in the greater Grand Strand area. Tilly, Stetson, Indiana Jones, Wallaroo, Top Hats, Mad Hatter, Derbies, Felts, Fedoras, Cowboy, Golfer, Driver. Life is good. We carry a large selection of women's fashion hats as well as Red Hat Society hats. We also have an assortment of umbrellas, canes, and walking sticks. Hats Galore, located at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach. We are the best source for hats in the Grand Strand area. Hats Galore at Barefoot.com. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Welcome back, everybody. Our show today is about identity theft with our guest, Mari Frank and Conrad Del Rosario from California. And before the break, Mari, we were talking about uh, following a police report, getting all the all the documents that the phony you used and whatever they used it for, whether it was medical treatment or whatever. And then my question to you is, what what jurisdiction do you get that police report filed in? Let's say that the person who is using your identity is is going for medical treatment in New Jersey and you live in Georgia. That's such a um, great question. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, and then you can add to that, Conrad, but what, what we have worked on is that you always go to the jurisdiction where you live because, you know, if, if you live in one state, uh, you can't expect that the law enforcement agency in another state is going to really help you anyway. So you must go to your own your own law enforcement agency. Even if they can't investigate it, you go ahead, you go there, you tell them I need an identity theft report to get my life back. I'm not even asking that you investigate in, in case you can't, you know, if you can't because I know it's expensive and I know you don't have the resources. Just give me an identity theft report. And then ask them to 
get back to the uh, Federal Trade Commission Sentinel and have them contact the agency in another state and see if they can get the FBI or the Secret Service involved. But I'm going to have Conrad tell you about it, and there's some laws in California that are a little bit different. Yeah, so specifically, like, especially when it comes to criminal prosecution, um, the three areas where the three areas where we can gain jurisdiction um, of an identity theft case is where the theft of the information took place. So, for example, if you lost your purse or someone stole your purse in San Francisco, even if it was used in another state, we have jurisdiction because the theft of your personal information occurred in San Francisco. If you reside, as Mari was talking about, um, in that location, we have. if you reside in San Francisco, for example, we have jurisdiction over that. Um, and where the personal information was used. That's the third, that's the third possible jurisdiction um, hook. So if you are a victim in, say, Miami, and you get a charge on your credit card, and this happens very frequently, where we have a victim from another part of the country who says, I have a charge to the Four Seasons Hotel in San Francisco. What's going on here? I'm not even there. They will call the Four Seasons Hotel. The Four Seasons Hotel will say, yeah, well, you're checked into this room, and then they know that the person who's checked into the room is not the actual cardholder. That's when the police gets involved. The police goes ahead and makes their arrest. They make their investigation come to my office. We'll have jurisdiction to prosecute that crime, even though the victim lives in Miami. And you know, one thing you know that I want to also add to this um, element of filing police reports is, regardless of you know, as Mari was saying, whether or not they investigated or not, it is critical that you file that police report because the last thing you want is is your information being used by a suspect to commit a crime, and the police are looking for you. Thinking that you mm-hmm. are, the then you have a that. record that you've taken action. Absolutely. Th- then you have a record that you've taken some action and, and alerted the officials. And I agree with you that it's important to do that, and also to protect yourself from any financial obligation that you might have, or somebody might try to impose upon you. If you say no, I'm sorry, I already alerted people that my card was stolen or my identity's been used somewhere. Um, what about those Let places like? Well, let me say another thing that's very, very important, the civil side. Now, we've been talking for the last few minutes about with Conrad about the, the, the criminal side, but let me tell you this. You cannot get stuff off your credit report, and you cannot get the bank to believe you if there was bank fraud unless you file that police report. So it is important for you to clean up your life. Now, there's only one exception to that, and that is, if it's a family member and you don't want to file the police report, the family is after you, if you get that person to complete an affidavit that they did it and they'll take over the payment, you may, with somebody's help, sometimes a lawyer's help, you may be able to get it off your report without a police report. But otherwise, I tell you, no matter what, you must get a police report. It's called an identity theft report. It is actually part of the federal, uh, the uh, Fair Credit Reporting Act that that is what is required for you to get the stuff off your credit report, for, for you to get the banks to believe you, for you to get any creditors to believe you. It is absolutely required under the code. What about these places that that advertise that they'll protect your credit and they have your your information and nobody's going to be able to uh, take advantage of you if, if they protect you? Is that is, is that a lie. good investment? It's a lie. It's a lie. Yeah. It's a lie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no you start way. off with that. I'll, I'll add on to yours. Okay, I was just going to say there is no way. I mean, somewhat. For example, for the company LifeLock, 
they were already sued by the Federal Trade Commission for deceptive practices. They were sued by Experian, and they lost. Um, so any company that is a company that tells you that they absolutely can protect you from identity, that is a lie. Todd Davis, who puts his Social Security number um, mm -hmm. all over the place, he's the CEO. He's been the victim. It's been in the Wall Street Journal. He's been a victim 26 times. Wow. <laughs> you know, I can just tell you that I. the only thing I do say is if you want to spend the money, you can get credit monitoring. Now, I use credit monitoring with American Express because I can look in any time and I can see my credit score and all that stuff. I just do that and they send me alerts. If you want to do that, that's not going to protect you from all sorts of identity theft. It'll only give you an alert as to if somebody is trying to get credit in your name. But it won't tell you about medical identity theft or cyber identity theft or government benefit identity theft. It won't tell you any of that, all right? So or even when the bank... Or even when they're breaching into your bank account, right, Maureen? Exactly. The only way you're going to find out about bank fraud is when the bank contacts you or you go into your account and you see all the money was siphoned out of your account. So it is not a catch-all. It's a lie. And don't do it. Just, I just should say one other thing. Um, the Consumer Federation of America has put together best practices for um, identity theft services. All right, and I am on the task force. And, and if you go to Consumer Federation of America on the website, you'll see how to choose and what the best practices are, and that'll help you to choose if you do want to use one of these services. But I can tell you, we've been talking about that for months, and in fact, I have a meeting today about that. So um, I would say you can get your credit reports for free once a year from each of the credit bureaus, which there are three of them, at annualcreditreport.com and get those for free. And you can do that, you can stagger them and do them quarterly so you can see what kind of credit report. But that is not the, you know, the panacea or the cure for protecting yourself 100%. Now, Conrad, do you want to say something? Yeah, you know, and I think that those monitoring companies also put victims in a false or lulls them into a false sense of security. Exactly as what Mario was saying, with there's so many aspects of identity theft that occurs, if you think that monitoring company is protecting you, it's not. And it may make you, we've actually had um, investigators, I've had investigators come back to me and, and, and I would ask them whether they've had contact with the victim and the victim says, yeah, I never filed a police report because I've got credit monitoring. Well, that doesn't solve anything and you're now, you're, you were the suspect of this case for the longest period of time until we were able to get hold of you and had you gone and filed a police report we would have we would have turned our investigation to another direction but we had to spend a lot of time trying to find you because we actually thought you were a suspect so it, it, it is a false sense of security that isn't really there when you uh Mari, when you mentioned that american express you have a fraud alert thing with your american express do other credit card companies have similar uh, type services where you can say if if my card is used in a in a weird location or two s different cities in one day, just please call me or something like that. Well, you know what? It's really easy. Every one of your credit cards will. If you go online and you look at, you can set up alerts any way you want to, and you can set up alerts with your bank, which kind of leads me into like online banking. But but to answer your question. You can go online to Chase or American Express or anything you want, and you can set up alerts that they will alert you if maybe there's a charge over a certain amount of money, or they'll alert you to certain things. For example, I, had, I went to Mexico. I called my credit card companies before I left, and I said, 
from these dates to these dates, I am going to be in Mexico and I'm going to be charging. So don't cancel my car. Don't don't leave me stranded. But just know it's me. So mm-hmm. you need to talk with your credit card company. And the other thing is for banks, I want to talk about bank fraud because one of the things that Conrad had just said is that when you have your credit reports and monitoring your credit reports, it's not going to do anything for bank fraud, which is huge now because now credit's harder to get. So what you can do and what we suggest, or at least I suggest, is that you do online banking and you set, and what I mean by online banking, by the way, is not that you give every one of your vendors your account number because there might be dirty employees who will steal that. What I'm saying is you set up online banking from your bank to pay vendors from your bank because your bank already has your account number. Mm-hmm. And so what you do is, first of all, you make sure that you do the online banking only from a secure computer that you have at home. Mm-hmm. You make sure that you have a password that is not like what we were talking about a few minutes ago when Congress says you use password as your password. <laughs> you have 12 to 18 numbers and letters and characters mixed up, and you have that password that no one can get you know, in touch with and can't see it. You have it locked up in case you forget it. Have it in a locked drawer in your home. And you set up, um, you make sure that you run your anti-spyware and your antivirus, and then you set up your online banking to pay your bills. You check your online banking two, at least two to three times a week. You set up alerts in your online banking. For example, I have Bank of America, okay? And from Bank of America, I set up anytime there is any kind of electronic transfer, they notify me immediately by email. Anytime there is any change in my account, they notify me. So I see the email. It looks fine. I delete it. I go, okay. If there's anything that I don't recognize, I quickly go into my account. I see what it is, and I can tell my bank not just, you know, in two months, which you're required to do immediately, by the way, within two days. But I can immediately find out what's going on and contact my bank. And it's important to do that because there is so much uh, security breaches, there's dirty employees in banks, and there are people that can hack into your account from your computer. So it's very important that you do that, but it is safer because then you can catch it immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's an that's an important that's an important thing. To, uh, touching off with Mary saying is that the sooner you can catch this uh, any fraudulent activity, the sooner you can detect where the point of compromise occurred. And depending on where the po- point of compromise occurred, you can contact that business to find out if they've had experiences with this type of um, this type of breach from other customers. But for yeah, go ahead. And I was going to say, Conrad, that also brings me back to what we mentioned at the beginning of the show with the crime rings, and I want to address that when we get right back after our break. Stay with us, everybody, for a great identity theft information with Mari and Conrad, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Jessica Dorovage, host of the Where Is My Guru show, and you are listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. The definition of guru is to lead from darkness to light, and one who is regarded as having great knowledge, wisdom, and authority in a certain area, and who uses it to guide others. Join us on Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Where Is My Guru show, where gurus from the areas of art, travel, creative activism, wellness, and the spa share their infinite wisdom and maybe a glass of wine. 
Fridays at 3 p.m. right here on Hear Women Talk Radio. Hi, folks. This is private investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all your keystrokes or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone. If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at abramsforensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at abramsforensics.com. That's abramsforensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code H. In the blockbuster Millennium Series books and movies by Stig Larsson, the main character Lizbeth Salander is both victim and deliverer of justice to a human trafficker. Tune in with Dottie every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern and play with fire, kick the hornet's nest, and maybe even get a tattoo of a dragon on traffic. Safe for victims, hostile to traffickers. Listen, chat, call, save lives. That's traffic every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Hear Woman Talk Radio. Hi, my name is Jesse Jordan with Further Faster Initiatives, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to our show today on identity theft with our special guests, Mari Frank and Conrad Del Rosario. That's a mouthful for me to say, Conrad. Um, we're we're heavily in, into this uh, this conversation about identity theft, and these guys have offered great information on how to protect yourself. B- before the break, we were we were going into. Um, how how people do this, Conrad and I, I mentioned I wanted to talk about the crime rings again and how anybody at any place can take your information and then sell it and pass it on and it's it's really like a, a mob almost. Yeah, you know, and it, it, the way it works, the way it works is the person who's probably going to use your information, whether it be in a hotel or, or or a business, may not be the person who actually compromised your information. The way these people, the way these organizations work is they work by components. You actually have the people who steal the information, you have the people who receive that and then maybe will um, develop um, the scheme of how it's committed and then you may have the third component which is the people that they ask to go out and actually make the purchases because obviously the people who are collecting don't want to be the ones confronting the store clerks and having their name their faces on surveillance cameras. So for example, um, in my particular instance, where I was a victim of identity theft, um, it was at a very popular restaurant in San Francisco where the waitress was um, skimming customers' credit cards with a small handheld device that had a storage capacity of like 3,000 credit cards. She would take your credit cards when you would pay for it and then and then um, skim it or basically capture the magnetic information on the back of it. Pay, would pay for your meal, but then once they give you back the card, they also walk away with the information from your credit card. That information is then sold to buyers, and it may be buyers that they've worked with before. It may be someone that actually hired the waitress, 
but that buyer will then take that information and then um, re-encode another credit card and have it used at another location, and it could be anywhere in the country or even the world because all it is is, is transferring or emailing your information over to a person that's going to be willing to use it. Um, one of the more common trends that we've seen that's been developing recently has been breaches occurring at, or what they call data acquisitions, occurring at gas stations. So where you have a gas pump and you have a lot of those, um, a lot of those islands um, where the gas pumps are where you would swipe your credit card information, those machines are being are being breached. So what would happen is you may have suspects um, who will go up to this um, machine. They will open up the panel of the machine itself and then install electronic capturing devices. These are devices that can capture the same information that you're punching in on those panels, which is your credit card as well as your PIN number or your debit card as well as your PIN number, they will capture it and they'll later retrieve that same information. They'll later retrieve that electronic storage device and then walk away with it. And those are very great exploits for them to use They're very because those are locations that are not heavily monitored by the owners. Mm-hmm. They're they're very they're not as they're not secured like they are ATM machines. ATM machines are secured to maintain people from breaking in to take cash. These machines aren't designed to, to, with that type of security in mind. So what we're finding is, and and they don't get detected very easily because they're not being serviced the same way ATM machines are. Because you have to have a person that refills the cash. Right. At these at these uh, gas pumps, they're not the same because the only person that's really going to service them are the people that are coming in for for scheduled maintenance. But those could be weeks, you know, weeks in between. And see, so, now I'm scared to go buy gas, Conrad. Thank you very much. Well, well, well Mari, I think yeah, you can answer that. A, we have a, yeah, but we have um, something to tell you that that can help you, and that is this. What he's talking about is that they're doing this with debit cards, and they can do it with a credit card, too. But remember what we talked about with a credit card? A credit card is the safest thing that you can absolutely use, safer than cash, than a check, any, than a, and a debit card. We're going to talk about that in a second. If you have any fraud on your credit card statement, all you have to do is call the credit card company, say, this is fraud, they'll take it off. You tell them immediately as soon as you see it, you can go online, or you can just wait till you get your statement. You have two months to tell them. You will not be charged a penny. Now, the difference is debit cards. And what Conrad was talking about is some of these uh, gas stations will only take a de- debit card or cash. Let me tell you, and, and Conrad agrees with me, he can tell you more. Debit cards are the most dangerous form of payment you can make. And, and let me explain that. You have a debit card that has your Visa MasterCard logo on it. You think you're safe. You think you're protected just like your credit card. You are not. That is covered by a different law. And what happens is as soon as your debit card number is used, which, by the way, it can be used online, by phone, by fax, without your PIN, meaning without your card in hand, Mm -hmm. that that number can be used. And what happens? You don't get a statement that says, you know what something is and you can uh, dispute it before you pay it as soon as it swipes the money is immediately siphoned out of your checking account and you don't know it your, your checks are bouncing everything's happening you have no money in your bank it goes into your overdraft and you have a hornet's nest so we suggest that you never even own a debit card 
because a debit card, is, even if you just keep it in your wallet or you keep it at home, it can be used. And it can be used to capture anything like, like he's talking about at these gas stations. You don't even know about it. And then the money is gone. They've made up new cards. They've captured your PIN number. And it is a mess. And even though your bank will say, and I see it on TV all the time, total protection. Well, let me tell you what they do. You call them and you tell them. They put the money back. And then all of a sudden they said, you know what? We investigated and we think that really it was a conspiracy. And we're going to now take the money back. And we are, now you owe us. And I have a case right now where I'm, I'm an expert witness where this credit union basically said, hey, you know what? We don't believe you. And, and even though we gave your money back before, not only do you know, only do you owe us the 9000 that was taken out of your account and gone into your overdraft, but now you owe us all this interest, so now it's up to almost 18000 and then it's on so, your credit report for a long, long time, too. Well, no, it's not on your credit report at all. No. That's why you don't know about it. What no, I mean afterwards when your, you have this big bill that you have to pay. Well, we're talking about your bank, your bank fraud, okay? So that won't go on your credit report. But what happens is is they're going to come after you and they're going to sue you, okay? Mm -hmm. And you're going to go into collections and they'll attach your wages or whatever. So this is very, very dangerous. So if you... Now, let me just clarify the difference between an ATM and a debit card. I have an ATM card. That means that it's a little card that looks like a bank card that I can use to go to any ATM machine, and I can use it to get in and get cash anywhere in the world. That I have, but it does not have the Visa MasterCard logo on. So if you're listening to this, you need to call up your bank and say, I just want a regular ATM card immediately cancel my debit card and never, ever use it. Now, I know Conrad could add on to that. Yeah, you know, and the thing is that if it's your if it's your um, debit card that is siphoning money from your bank account, the banks are not as inclined to give your money back as quickly as they do when it's your credit card that gets compromised. So it becomes a real hassle for the victims. But that debit card is something that the suspects will look for. They would much rather have your debit card. They would rather have that debit card than they would your credit card because your credit card has not only limits, but it also has internal mechanisms to um, verify when charges seem legitimate or when it doesn't seem legitimate. Bank cards don't have that same type of limitation. As long as you've got money in that bank, they can take it. Okay, and we've only got a couple of minutes left, guys, but uh, if you could just wrap up with one thing that you want everybody to know, Mari, what would that be? Well, I would tell them that we have uh, 70 pages of free information to help them more at identitytheft.org. Also, if they want to know how to put up barriers, they can get my book, Safeguard Your Identity. That's at my website. They can also get my book, Recovering from Identity Theft, so they know their rights because one out of five people will become a victim this year. That's what the FBI says. So that's what I would suggest. Go to identitytheft.org, and then you can get a lot of information there. And Conrad, what about you? If you've ever been, if you've been a victim of identity theft, is to cooperate with the police, is to fill out police, is to complete police reports, and make sure that you identify yourself as someone who has been victimized, so that the police can, um, uh, so the police have uh, more information as to who a suspect may be that is using that information. And it, it, of those people that are charged, criminally charged, 
what would you say? Um, and I know you, you're limited to what you're you're doing in your office or in your county, but what would you say the percentage is of those people that, that actually get a conviction? If I get, if I target for my death, I usually get a hundred percent conviction rate, and it may be a plea at one point or another down the road. I've never gone to trial because these people will always plead out because the evidence is so overwhelming. Because once you establish that they're the suspect, they what's the defense? It wasn't me, of course it was you. We got you on surveillance. So usually these kind of cases are easy to prosecute. It's the it's the workup and the investigation which is really the where the where the burden is. But once that investigation points to that suspect, and I can file, and I believe that there's evidence beyond a reasonable doubt, these are usually very airtight cases. Okay, and, and guys, I, I really, really thank you all for being on today, and I would, I would really like to do this again at some point and maybe even go into more detail. Um, you can reach Mari or get more information, as she said, at www.identitytheft.org. Her website is mari, M-A-R-I, frank.com, and, and do purchase her books and get that additional information because it will help you one, prevent being a victim, but if you are a victim, at least get you back on the road to recovery. Conrad, thank you so much for being with us. Mari, thank you again. I really appreciate it, and I know our listeners enjoyed it today. You can um, you can also listen to it in the archives if you want to hear it again and hear what Mari has to say and, and Conrad has to say about protecting yourself. So thanks for being with us, everybody. I look forward to next week's show. And again, Mari, Conrad, thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.